I don't know what kind of church you're used to, but this is one where we respond to the Word of God. So if you know God is good, say amen. If you know that God is great and greatly to be praised, put your hands together and shout yes. Amen. Amen. I'm always, I'm always told, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. Okay? That's just, I know it's an old saying. You're in a place where we acknowledge the greatness of God, and we're not quiet about it. So do not be ashamed to open your mouth and let's, let Satan know God is still greater than you. Let your flesh know God is still worthy no matter how you feel. Amen. One more time before I kind of dig into this today, just one more time, and we'll see how much God lets me get through. But <clears throat> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Pastor Bethel, if I was going to lean on my own understanding today, I would have stayed in bed. Okay, I've been struggling all week long. I just been, I've been physically, just like physically, laid up in bed. Just Zion had COVID, and my my second son, and and I was just just times couldn't even get out of bed. I was just so exhausted and feeling awful. And, and I woke up this morning. I was about seventy percent. I was like, okay, you know what? God will get seventy percent today, because that's all I've got. That, that, that's I'm going to give him what I've got. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm trusting him to help me do what he's called me to do. I'm acknowledging him, even in my, my weakness, I'm acknowledging him, and he is making my path straight. I don't know what your excuse is today, but uh, unless you've been laid up in bed with COVID all, all this week, and even if you have, can you put your hands together and let God know, I acknowledge you, I acknowledge you, amen. You can be seated here today. Before I kind of dig into the meat of the word, I want to give you a couple things. And I'm going to forewarn you, this is probably one of the longest messages I've written in a long time. So if you need to leave now, God bless you. Okay. I'm, just get, I'm just getting out in front of this. I'm just getting out in front of this because I, I, I know how uh, at least this generation of American Christians are. Oh, crap, there's a Bears game. Does Pastor know there's a Bears game in, in 46 minutes? Hello, we got, I got important things to do. Okay, cool. Uh, it's a big decision, right? It's a, it's a big decision. Do I... Who do I start today, Pastor Beto, in my, in my fantasy draft? Who do I? It's a, it's a big decision. Anybody, anybody maybe just right now, you're, you're stuck in the middle of a, of a big decision. Anybody got a, a big decision? Anything going on in your life? It's, it's a big decision. I've, I've, got, I've got, a, got a big decision that, that I, I need to make. So what do we do when we have big decisions? What, what, what do we do? do? Do you lose? Anybody just notorious for losing sleep over big decisions? Anybody? Anybody notorious for stress eating? Come on. It's a big decision, and I'm just running to the, the, the refrigerator all the time. Right? Anybody, anybody maybe like me, it's, got, it's a big decision, and you, you like the pressure, so you wait to the last possible second before you finally decide. Anybody? Come on. Come on, be honest. Procrastinators in the house. Amen. Anybody maybe like this, you, you're, you're going to keep asking different people until you find someone that will give you the answer you wanted to hear so that you can say so-and-so confirmed the thing that I was going to do in the first place anyway, right? Anybody, anybody like that in your big decisions? Ooh, yikes. The crazy thing is that a lot of decisions that we make, we don't even really know if they're big decisions or not when we make them. Like your wedding day. Most of the decisions that you made on your wedding day, they felt like big decisions, but they weren't big decisions. Come on, somebody. What color are we going to wear? I know it felt big, but it wasn't that big. Uh, what, 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 how, how big is the cake going to be? I know it felt like a big, it wasn't that big of a decision. You know, like, do, do the ushers wear gloves or not? It's not that big of a I know it felt big, 
But it wasn't that big of a, of, of a decision that, that you made. Here's the big decision. The big decision is how are we going to resolve conflict once we're finally married? That, <laughs> that's the big decision we don't typically think about when we get married. I'm going to give you a point before I even give you my scriptures for today. But the first point I want to give you is this. Instead of big decisions, I, I want to start using a different term today. Let's call it pivotal decisions. Pivotal decisions. Because sometimes the most pivotal things are not what I would necessarily consider to be the big things. I don't realize they're pivotal. I, 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 I think that the big things are what matters better than more, but the pivotal things sometimes aren't always the, the big things. Any basketball fans in the house? Any, any NBA fans in the house? In the house? My guy? Okay, uh, I'm not much of, a, of an athlete, but my daughter Ella started playing basketball last year. And, uh, thanks, my guy. And uh, back in the day, I had some handles. You know, I could, I could do a little something. something. Yeah, I, I, back in the day. My knees don't work anymore like they used to, firms, but you know, I, I do what I can. But Ella started playing basketball last year, and, and she was literally just learning the game. It was, it was brand new to her. And so uh, let me give you a quick video. This is what it felt like. It, this, was, this isn't basketball. This is, this is t-ball, but this is what it felt like with Ella learning the game. Y'all seen this? I love this. Right? This is amazing. Uh, he totally is missing first base, right? But throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Boom. Oh, oh. Yes. And just the case, look, he's out there somewhere in left field just having a good time, right? It's, I love this little guy at home, just kind of falls. Yeah, see, it just, this is what it feels like when you're learning something for the first time, right? Just, just chaos and, and, and just craziness and, and the hilarity in, ensues with all. It's, it's, and, so Zella was learning the game, and anybody knows this about people who play basketball for the first time. What do people typically do when they first learn to play basketball? They, they travel. They travel. They swear it's football or something, right? They're just running with the thing. And you have to teach them the fundamentals, and here's the fundamental. When you pick up your dribble, firms, what can I do when I pick up my dribble? What, what, what? what? Oh, I, I can still do one of these. I can still... A fundamental of the game that you don't know in the beginning is that I can still pivot. I can't run around and act a fool, but I can still pivot. Oh, someone's going to get this in your spirit today. Uh, the, I, 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 can, I can pivot. I, I remember watching some of the, the great basketball players of all time, like Hakeem the Dream Elijah one. I love when this dude would get the ball down in the paint and, and he would start head faking Shaq and head faking uh, a David Robinson. They would all just, just bounce around and, and never coming off that pivot foot until he would score. I, Kobe, you know, any Kobe fans in the house, right? Kobe fans, you know, Kobe got that little turn, pivot, and, and, and fade away that he learned from the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Yeah. He, he learned that, that, that pivot, that, that, that pivot for the, the thing that tells me, and here's what I've, I've learned about it. I noticed that the only reason they can pivot is because they're planted. This is just for people who know the word of God. It becomes easy to pivot once I get planted. Woo, okay. Athletes are the only ones who need to pivot. Come on, I, I've, I've watched politicians need to pivot. They get asked about a certain social issue and watch how they just pivot. <laughs> come on, I, I've watched husbands. Come on, do I look fat in this dress, honey? Watch this pivot, baby girl. You look good all the time. Preachers have had to learn how to pivot. Come on, somebody. We get some of the most strangest questions in church, Pastor Bethel, don't we? I mean, just weird questions like, what breed of horse is Jesus going to return on? 
white? I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? And, and here's the thing. I, I don't know how to answer certain questions without making you look dumb. So you know what I've learned to do? I've learned to pivot. You know, that's a fantastic question. And I don't really know what kind of breed Jesus is going to return on, but I do know this. He's going to return. So you better live with the spirit of expectancy and live right. Because any day. Would you all see that? You see, I just kind of just pulled the pivot on him, Pastor Betha. There's power in the pivot. Because, see, now you don't feel dumb, and I got to get away from answering your dumb question, right? Come on, just shake somebody and tell them there's power in the pivot. <laughs> now, if you go with me to Judges 13. Judges 13. Because this is a pivotal time in the nation of Israel. They're stuck in this cycle of sin, and then, and then God's judgment, and then eventually God sends a, a judge to come along and help deliver the nation. It, it's a cycle. It's a pivotal time because the whole nation constantly kept pivoting away from God and pivoting towards evil and towards sinful fleshly desires and pivoting towards other false gods. So look with me in, in Judges 13.1. It says this again. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines. And we, we always hear about God delivering us out of things, but check this out. God delivers them into the hands of their enemy. Hmm. Why? Maybe because if you keep rejecting the word of God, you just might be subject to God's wrath. I, I, at least it was this case for them. Now, I thank God for Jesus because he absorbed God's wrath on the cross. But, but maybe just the constant rejection of God's word sets me up for some kind of wrath. You do reap what you sow. Can I get an amen? That's still a principle. Yeah. You notice this again. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I don't believe this happened overnight, right? You don't just pivot overnight. It's a slow fade away from God. Do you see it? See it? See, it's not the big decisions. Sometimes it's the pivotal decisions. The pivotal decisions. Not always the big decisions. That slow fade away from God. It's not, it's, listen, it is a big decision to ultimately decide I'm never going back to church. I'm just not going. That's a big decision. But how did you get there? You got to the big decision through the pivotal decisions. I'm just not going to go today. I'm going to sleep in. I'm, I'm going to take another vacation. I'm, I, I, I'm going to just, I'm going to stop serving. I, I'm not going to quit going to church, but I'm going to, I'm going to stop serving. I, I'm not going to quit going to church. That's the big decision. I'm going to make a pivotal one. I'm going to stop tithing. I'm going to stop being available. I'm, I'm going to stop coming around. You don't get there overnight. The pivotal decisions. Look at verse 3. So in this time where the people have turned from God and God has turned them over to their enemies, an angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife. Don't even know her name, but we know her husband's name. So Mrs. Manoah, here's an angel say, even though you have been unable to have children, a woman who was barren, even though you can't have kids, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. Verse 5, as, as I focused on last week, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now read verse 6 with me. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, a man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name, but he said to me, you will become pregnant and have a son. I don't know where he came from. 
He didn't even tell me his name. Have you ever heard something from God and you've been like, this might have been God? Maybe this was God? I don't know if this was God. I didn't ask him where it came from. He didn't tell me his name, but he told me he would become pregnant and have a son. This awesome, angelic-looking man told me I was going to get pregnant. Can you imagine Manoah hearing this from his wife? Say, what? An awesome, angelic man told you what's going to happen to you? And how, wait, how is this going to happen? So verse 8, so Manoah prays to the Lord. Uh, pardon your servant, Lord. I beg you to let that same man of God you sent to us come again and teach me how to raise up, to, to rear up, to, to bring up the boy who is to be born. Look at his prayer. Look at his prayer. He's saying, God, I, I understand that you want to use me, but I need to know what this is going to look like. God, God, I understand you, you've got, a, you've got a, a purpose here, but I need some details. God, I, I need some specifics. God, I, I need some times and, and some dates. God, I need to hear the plan for myself. Any planners in the house? Come on, planners, get, wave your hand for just a moment. I thank God for you. Look, my God, if it wasn't for planners, everyone would show up to church late every single Sunday. Thank God for the planners that get their families here on time. Woo! Uh, now, those of you who are late, I praise God for you as well. But, uh, but thank God for somebody planning some things, right? So, so Manoah says, look, if I can just get like five minutes with that awesome, angelic-looking man who told my wife she was going to get pregnant, just give me five minutes with the Lord, just five minutes. Just five. Because, God, I realize you gave me this promise, but I need to know the plan. You gave the promise, but I need to know the plan. Anyone else ever felt like me? God, I thank you for your promise, but without a plan, this promise just feels impossible. I need to know the plan. And I love verse 9. Look at verse 9. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. I don't know how well you can hear my voice because it's, it's been going on me. I'm struggling, just being honest with you, okay, I'm struggling. I'm doing what God has called me to do, but I'm struggling. But I love to know that God listens to my voice. I know this might feel a little bit cocky, but can you just kind of just shake somebody next to you and just say, he hears you. Come on, he hears you. He, especially been talking to him the whole time anyway, right? He, he hears you. God hears you. God hears me Betty, better than, than Alexa hears me. I don't know why she's doing stuff sometimes. Like, what, what, what? No one's talking to you, Alexa. Turn the lights back on. You know, come on, right? God, God hears me better. God hears me better than, than, than when I'm trying to, Siri, or I'm trying to voice text. Come on, so anybody ever try to voice text, and then you're just like, you got to send an apology afterwards because you're just like, oh, my God, autocorrect. Jesus, I'm so sorry. God hears me better than that. You need to know that God doesn't just hear my prayers. God hears the deep groans of my spirit when I can't find the words to stay. God, God doesn't just hear me when I, God hears what I don't say when I don't even know what to say. He hears me. God hears my heart. God hears my secret petitions. God is the one who hears the things that people don't even know I'm dealing with and struggling with. God hears me. And the angel of the Lord came back again. Notice. To the woman, to Mrs. Manoah, while she was out in the field. But her husband, 
Manoah was not with her. Come on, God. For real. Mrs. Manoah didn't ask for another visitation. Manoah said, I need that angel to come back. So I, can just, I, just, need, I just need to talk to him again. Just bring him back. Why? 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 Did the angel go and visit her and not me? Why did you not answer my prayer request the way I asked it? Can I tell you why? Because God is under no obligation to do things the way you think he should do them. Before you fall asleep on me, just hear me. God has no obligation to do things the way you think he should do them. None whatsoever. In fact, I believe sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to because he wants us to, to learn to trust him anyway. Okay? Look at verse 12. So Manoah asked the angel, when your words are fulfilled, and I thank God for the faith of this man. Come on, somebody. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. You just told my, my, my wife she's going to get pregnant. I'm not even sure how that's going to happen. I hope you don't think you're going to be the one to do it. But, but when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? When what you promised, Lord, comes true, can you at least give me the plan? Can you, can you at least tell me, how am I supposed to raise him? How, what is supposed to govern his life? Any control freaks in the house? Most won't lift your hands, I know, I know. So we'll, we'll let your spouse point you out. Yeah. Control freaks in the house, come on. I need to know the plan because otherwise I might try to tweak some stuff. I need to know the plan because I might try to get my hands on it. I need to know the plan because, hey, I'm a control freak and I'll manipulate things to my favor if I need to. Yeah. Woo. Dang, I'm doing good. And look what happens. Instead of giving Manoah the plan, man, this angel should have been in the NBA for him. He should have straight up been in the NBA. Because watch how quickly he pivots. Oh, you want to know the plan? Okay, look at verse 13. The angel of the Lord answered, your wife must do all that I have told her. Your wife must do all that I have have told her. Pastor Bethel, I've discovered the foundational verse for men's ministry. Your wife must do all that I have. Can I get a, 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 a man, a married man to say amen? <laughs> Your wife must do all that, before I get myself in too much trouble, look at God. Look at what he does. Manoah asked for the plan and God pivots from what you think you need to know to what you just need to do. Obey. Just do what I told you to do. And he told her, don't drink any wine. Don't eat any unclean foods. Okay. Just live your life separated unto God. Do everything I've told you to do. Just obey. Sometimes when I pray, I'll be like, God, I just, I need the plan. And you know what God does sometimes? Sometimes he pivots. I want to see your hand, God, but you know what you need to start doing? Learn to watch his, his feet. Because sometimes he's got a, got a different direction. Sometimes he's got a different course. So instead of looking for his hand, sometimes you just need to watch the pivot. Watch his, watch his feet. Anybody here, has God been like pivoting your prayer life? You know, you're so used to just begging and, and pleading for things, and God is trying to pivot your prayer life to start speaking like a son or a daughter who believes when they pray. 
and not just pleads when they... He's pivoting my, my, my prayer life. Is God, maybe, maybe God's doing this for some of you because in this generation, uh, it, we're always looking for logic. And, and re, Give me the why. Maybe God is trying to pivot you away from logic and just pivot you towards faith. Maybe he's trying to pivot you away from, I need the reason and, and, I, and I need to understand why. Maybe he's trying to pivot you towards trust in the Lord with all your hearts and lean not on your own logic, on your own reason, on your own understanding. Which leads me to my second point. It's a funny thing about pivoting, right? I mean, think about it. It's just a small move, but it sets a completely different direction, right? Hmm. I'm not much of a basketball player, but you know, one of the things I could do is pivot well. I could head fake and pivot, and you know, you watch those people just like ballerina dancers, just trying to block my shots, and they're just missing everything. It was, it was, it was amazing. It just, like synchronized, just, yeah. Okay, you missed again. <laughs> I'm just pivoting now because I'm not tall and I could barely jump. I'm a white dude. You know, I'd do what I could. But, but, but I would just head fake and pivot and they would just jump everywhere. And here's what I, here's what I, I learned about my pivot. Notice, I'm still standing in the same spot, right? But when I pivot, now I have a completely different perspective. Whew. When I pivot... I'm seeing things from a different angle. I believe the angel was trying to tell Manoah, look, Manoah, you can't handle the plan right now, but you need to know this. My word is and always will be a lamp unto your, your pivot and a light unto your path. Always. This bad boy right here you can trust. So look at verse 19 with me. So Manoah takes a young goat and a grain offering and offers it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And you thought that tithe and offering wasn't important. But every time, every time, God makes clear a plan. Even if it's just, trust me. And I believe he does that every single Sunday, Pastor Beto. I've got to bring something to offer back to God. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up towards the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell to their faces on the ground. Literally, they fell in worship. Ladies and gentlemen, when you read this text, Manoah is looking for logic. He's looking for a plan. But when you read this, you see that God is not found in the logic. God is found in the worship and I came to tell you today you will not find God when you're looking for him with your head but you will find him when you come before him with a heart and a spirit that just wants to worship him for who he is and as the flames went up as the worship went up what came down the revelation came down Verse 21, Manoah then realized this was an angel of the Lord. There's the revelation that I'm finally catching. And he said in verse 22, we're going to die, he said to his wife, for we have just seen God. But thank God sometimes for a woman who's got a different perspective than you, bro. If the Lord was going to kill us, he would not have appeared to us and told us these wonderful things and done these wonderful miracles. Let me help somebody. If God was out to get you, you'd already be got. <laughs> Well, how many times were you off the right path and on a wrong path and God still brought you back? Anybody just grateful for just a moment that his mercies are greater than all of my mistakes? Verse 24. 
So the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, who means radiant, uh, radiant like the sun. And Samson grew, and the Lord blessed him. The next verse tells us that the Spirit of God began to move him. This is how Samson started. Most of us know the story of Samson and Delilah, right? And I'll get to that. Not today. Thank God. That's that's two chapters away. Yeah. But I need you to know that Samson's story didn't start when he laid his head in Delilah's lap. Samson's head got in Delilah's lap through his decisions. But where he started was he was blessed and the spirit of the Lord moved on him. You get to Delilah's lap through pivotal decisions. Which leads me to my third point if you're taking notes. You have a destiny, but you still get to make decisions. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not bound to a linear path. No matter what I do, I'm, 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 I'm stuck. No, the power of free will is yours. I know God is sovereign, but you are still responsible. I love how we love to blame everything on God. Well, God's in control. What, really? God's the one who told you to spend all your money before the month's over? But God's still in control. No, the reason you're broke is because you're in control. God's still in control. I, I know I'm, I'm morbidly obese, but God's still in control. And it's God's fault? He provided everything in my pantry, Pastor. Yes. But he didn't tell you to stick it in your mouth. Come on, God is sovereign. But I've still got some responsibility, man. We hate this word in America. I've still got some responsibility in this thing. I've got a destiny, but I still get to make decisions. Yes, God calls me, but I still have a choice. Come on, I know how it goes in American churches. We want that big, right? We want the big decisions, and we want the big blessings, and we want the big things from a big God. But I came to tell you today, it's not always the big things. It's the pivotal decisions that set your direction. Not always the big decisions, the pivotal decisions. It's those little things, right? Those little things that we do day to day, month to month, year to year, decade to decade, that generations from now are going to be impacted by. The pivotal decisions. How about this, ladies and gentlemen? How about this? How about when you decide to stop treating people the way they treat you and you decide, I'm going to treat them the way I want to be treated? It's not a big decision. It's a pivotal decision. It's a daily decision. Oh, how about this? How about this? I'm going to stop giving God chump change and I'm going to start giving God what's first because he needs to be first in my life. Ooh, it gets quiet when you start talking about tithe. Let's, let's, let's just move on. That's the old covenant, Pastor. Don't, don't you dare tell me that Jesus talked about it in the new covenant and, and Paul reiterated in the new covenant. Don't do dare tell me those things. Hmm, it's not a big decision to start tithing. It's a pivotal decision. It's a pivotal decision. Huh, some of you right now, you're, you, you've already made up your mind whether or not you're coming back next Sunday. I got it. Okay? I know it's not a big decision, but it's a pivotal decision. 
Let me tell you what else is a pivotal decision because it doesn't just affect my daily life. It affects generations to come. A pivotal decision of a man named G.E. Becker, my grandfather, who had a third grade education but made a pivotal decision every day to sit in his rocking chair and study the New King James Bible and repeat a scripture over and over and over for hours. He made a decision and listen to me, family. 60 years later, his grandchildren are still blessed by the pivotal daily decision he made in his life. I know it's a small decision, but pivotal decisions are what set direction in my life. And Samson had a good life, ladies and gentlemen. He had, a, he had a good life. He was growing. He was blessed. Spirit of God was moving in his life. And then one day, I'm going to fast forward to the very next chapter. Judges 14. One day Samson pivoted and went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Now, just so you know, this is not Delilah. She shows up in chapter 16. This is still chapter 14. But this is a pivotal moment. Who was Samson supposed to deliver, deliver his people from? The Philistines. But now he has a desire for what he's called to defeat. Ooh, thank you. Somebody hears me over there in your spirit. Ooh, has Satan ever screwed with your desires? I'm not called to give in to it. I'm called to defeat it and show others how to overcome it. But now I have a desire for what I'm called to defeat. And, and the, I believe the key verse in the book of Judges that we see many different times over is that the people of Israel did what was right in their own eyes. Samson went down to Timnah and he saw a young Philistine woman. Verse 2, and when he returned home, he told his father and his mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. Notice he said, she caught my eye. She caught my senses. She caught my emotions. She caught my eye, not my spirit. She caught my desire. If you, if you let your eyes wander long enough, your feet are going to begin to follow. Yep. And, and, and here's what happens. Just because you don't see anything wrong with it doesn't make it right. Just because you can justify it doesn't mean that the Bible approves of it. Oh, my God. What we need to learn to do is go to the Bible. Instead of justifying what's right in my own eyes, let's go to this book right here. Read it and determine what does God say about it. I love how Job said it one time. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. I love how David said it one time. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. Or how Paul said it in Colossians chapter 3. Set your affection on the things above and not on the things of this earth. My eyes. My feet begin to wander. Because my eyes have led me there. And look how heartbreaking this is. Samson, the man who, who he was on the right path. His parents were raising him right. He was fulfilling the Nazarite vow. He was growing. He was, he was so blessed. The Spirit of God is stirring him. And then all of a sudden, one day, he just pivots. 
and goes down to Timnah. Anyone ever been there? Oh, life is going great. Everything's going well. Ooh, I can feel the spirit of God on me. Ooh, yeah, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm joyful. I'm, I'm victorious. And then one day life just pivots. I've been pastoring Pastor Bethel since I was 18. Since I was 18. You know how many people I've watched? I'm with you, Pastor. We got this. We're going to do great things for God. Well, I'm, no matter what happens, come hell, how we're going to take Satan out. And they just, one day just pivoted. You know you remind me of? You remember my, my, my child. When, they, when my child was a baby. He was so cute as a baby. But then one day you start walking and talking. You just pivoted on me. Go back to being innocent and immobile and quiet. The destiny of the whole nation of Israel is now threatened because Samson, one day, in spite of his blessings, in spite of his strength, in spite of the Spirit of God moving on, one day Samson just pivots. And now his whole course. And the nation's course is threatened. Look at verse 3. And his father and his mother objected. Thank God for some godly parents. Come on, somebody. I know you might not like it, but if you have a, a mom and dad or just somebody in your life, a spiritual parent in your life that still tells you you shouldn't do this, an objectionable voice in your life that says you probably shouldn't head down this path. His parents object. They say, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites that you could marry? Just one? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good. His parents are like, bro, if you marry her, it's going to cause all kinds of clashing values. Come on, hey, ladies and gentlemen, the Philistines sacrificed babies to their gods. The Philistines did so many things contrary to God's holy word. They were opposed to God's plan. So they're like, son, please make a better decision. This choice you're making is dangerous and wrong. But guess what? Like most of us, Samson had already made his decision. And now this child, who had so much promise, who had so much potential, he's now making the dumbest decision of his life. He runs to what he's supposed to, to be delivering people from. And here's the pivotal moment of my message, and I'm almost done. Everybody in this room, everyone in this room, you know what it's like to have a plan in your head that does not match the life that you're living. Ooh, when I get married, it's going to be like this. Ooh, honeymoon 24-7. Woo-hoo! And then you get married, and you realize, this does not match what was going on in here. What happened, God? You've lied to me, Lord. I, I, got, I got this brand new job, and I'm going to excel, and they're going to promote me right away, and I'm going to be making bank at this bad boy. And two years later... When's my next promotion coming? <laughs> the life you're living doesn't match the planning in your head. Samson, the man whose name literally means he's going to radiate like the sun, who's blessed, who has supernatural, superhuman, superhero-type strength. He literally carries the expectations of deliverance for the entire nation on his shoulders, and he's making a dumb decision. See, there are some situations in your life that you will pray about and you will plead about and you will plan about, but none of it will ever work out. 
And then you're going to be faced with the question, right? Now, what do I do? What I saw here is not happening here. Now, what do I do? I want to suggest that when this happens, consider what's in parentheses. Look at the next verse. His parents did not know that this, someone say this, this was from the Lord. The Lord was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they had been ruling over Israel. I know this isn't King James. This is the NIV translation committee getting together and deciding, hey, let's put some parentheses around this verse. And I need you to know that sometimes when life doesn't make sense, look in the parentheses. God has got something there in the parentheses. You know, you know anyone understand grammar, right? What's parentheses? It just simply means I don't need the information, but you put it there for the reader. Yeah, the sentence makes sense without the parentheses, but you put it in there just to give me extra information. Whew, let me tell you the extra information you need to go to. It's right there. It's all there. And, and if I'll just go to, to the book, okay, I, I'm just trying to tell you sometimes when you're, when you're just life doesn't make sense, go to the book. Because in the parentheses, you will find the purpose. His parents did not know that this, this, this was from the Lord. Samson pivoted away from his purpose, but I love how you can't pivot that far from the parentheses. The text puts us right back. Samson's mom and daddy, they knew, Samson, you're a gift from God because mama was barren, but here you showed up clearly, you are a gift from God. But God, this right here, this decision that he's making, God, is this also from you? Ladies and gentlemen, it is okay for you here today to look at your gifts and say, this is from the Lord. It's okay for you to look at your blessings and say, this is from the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. It's okay to look at your strength and say, yes, this is from you, Lord. I thank you for the blessings you've given me. But then you have to look sometimes around you and say, but what about this? Why is this here? Why am I going through this? Why this struggle? Why this battle? If you ever to walk through a situation where you just thought, God, really? This? Lord, I did everything you told me to do. I didn't eat anything unclean. I didn't drink no wine. Not even a Mike's Heart lemonade. I did everything you told me to do. And you're really going to let this break out in my life? And the author says, yep, this was from the Lord. Why? Because God was seeking an occasion to confront their enemies. I came to tell somebody here today, in case you don't know the Hebrew here. The Hebrew here simply means God was about to pick a fight. Whew. You know what I love about my God? He knows you're bound up right now, but he still wants to see you set free. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and his desire for his people to be free, 
He would have preferred Samson made a good choice. But I love this about my God. He so desperately wanted his people to be free that he was willing to use Samson's bad decisions to bring about his perfect will. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, maybe you don't know this, but God is beyond your understanding. As high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how, that's how high God's, God is from. That's how great his thoughts are in separation from, from our thoughts. And, and maybe you don't know this uh, about your God, but, but here's what I know. God's ways are greater than anything I can even fathom and understand. And God chooses to use Samson's dumb decision to deliver the entire nation. Okay, let me explain real quick. Maybe you don't know the story, so think about it like this. Samson chooses to pivot and marry a woman he's not supposed to marry. So God takes that dumb decision, and he uses that dumb decision. Because if Samson didn't marry this woman, he would have never met a lion along the path that he kills and rips open. And he's, later when he comes by, he sees honey, literally sitting, bees sitting in the, in the, in the open belly of, the, of the, uh, the lion he ripped apart. Now, because he killed a lion, he goes and he makes a bet with the people at his wedding and simply says, Hey, I got a riddle for you. And if you can solve my riddle, you got to give me 30 cloaks. But if you, if, if, if uh, I got to give you 30 cloaks, but if you don't solve it, you got to give me 30 cloaks. Because he decided to make a bad decision. He married a woman, then he met a lion, killed a lion. Now he has a riddle from that. And now he says, hey, I'm going to get 30 cloaks out of this. So then he tells this woman he marries the answer to the riddle because they threaten her. If you don't tell us, we're going to kill your entire family. And so they, she gets the, the answer to the riddle from Samson, but he says, don't tell them. But guess what she does? She goes and tells them anyway because, hey, she's a Philistine. What do you expect from a Philistine woman? She's going to lie. Okay. And so she goes and she tells the, his enemies what happened, and they come in and give him the answer to the riddle. Now Samson is so ticked off because now he's got to pay back 30. He owes a debt, so he's got to pay back 30 close. So he goes and he starts killing 30 Philistines. He was never doing what he was called to do until he started making some dumb decisions. Oh, is pastor about to make it okay for me to make dumb choices? H-E double hockey sticks, no. No. But because Samson now has to kill 30 Philistines and now he has the 30 cloaks that he needs, he can pay off his debt. But here's what happened. He gets so mad about that, he just leaves. Well, his father-in-law decides, well, say, since you ain't coming back, I'm going to marry my daughter for someone else. Samson decides one day, you know, I really, really miss that girl. I really liked her. You know, whatever. She's my wife. I'm going I'm to go now. I'm going to be with her. He shows up and guess what happens? Her dad has married her off to someone else. And now Samson is really ticked off. Woo! Now he's in a killing frenzy. Okay? But, but here's what happens. Here's what happens. They end up burning her. Uh, the, the, the bad guys, end up, the Philistines end up burning her and her and they kill her off anyway. Now Samson is freaking ticked off. Now he just goes on a killing frenzy. So what he does is he, take, he takes 30 foxes. He ties uh, 300 foxes. I don't know how he did 300 foxes. Ties their tails together. Sets them on fire and lets them loose in the Philistines' fields. And now they're mad because he just burned out all our fields. So the people of Israel come and grab Samson and bind him up and are turning him over to his enemies. All he says is, look, just don't kill me first. Just take me to them. And when he gets to his enemies, the spirit of the Lord comes on him. And he finds the jawbone of, a, I won't say King James, the jawbone of a donkey. And he takes that jawbone and he kills 1,000 of his enemies with the jawbone of a donkey. What is my point in all this, Pastor? Where are you going? I just want you to know, sometimes you will make some dumb choices, but even God can redeem your dumb choices and set your course back towards your destiny oh snaps you're making a dumb choice right now by not listening to me I promise you it's in the book 
I just gave you three chapters and now I'm pooped. That's what set him on the, this, this, this bad decision set him on course to move against his enemy. Ladies and gentlemen, if God can do this with Samson's dumb decisions, what can he do through yours? Oh, man. If Samson can fulfill God's purpose, what can God do through you? Maybe you haven't made some bad choices, but maybe bad choices haven't made around you. Do you believe that God can still use this? Do you believe God can still use this to accomplish his purpose? I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians 1.6. He said, I am certain, I am confident that God who began a good work within you. What he started in Samson was a good thing. But Samson started getting selfish and made stupid decisions. But God who began a good work within you. Come on, somebody. Even in spite of your dumb choices, God who began a good work within you. I'm confident of this. He will continue his work. Come on, somebody. Help me here. His work. Not your will. His work. He will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Here's my last point and I'm done. When you find yourself beyond your understanding, you must pivot towards God's purpose. I don't get this. I don't understand this. But I have to learn to pivot towards God's purpose. Can you just, can you just grab somebody's hand and just squeeze it? Just squeeze it. Just squeeze somebody's hand real quick. Just, just tell them right now. Say, put a purpose on it. Put a purpose on it. I know you don't like what you're going through right now, but put a purpose on it. I know you don't understand what's going on right now, but, but put a purpose on it. I know you can't explain things right now, but put a purpose on it. Because I know there is a God in heaven that if he started it, he's going to finish it. If he began it, he's going to complete it. God doesn't begin anything he doesn't see through until the end. Come on, somebody. God is not Leonardo da Vinci. I, made, I started all these things and only completed 15 of them. No, God, when he begins it, he will complete it. So there's power in the pivot. And that means there's purpose even in this. Whatever this is in your life, God wants to set you free today. So guess what he's doing? He's going to pick a fight with the devil. God wants you free, so he's going to pick a fight with that which oppresses you and depresses you and possesses you. God, I just need some help from somebody who believes in a God who still liberates those who are bound, still sets the captives. For I need to hear somebody in this place agree with what the word of God says. Jesus was anointed for this very purpose, to set free those who are captive. And God is going to pick a fight with Satan. So, from my standpoint, I can look at all of this around me and say, I don't like this. I didn't pray for this. I didn't believe this was going to happen. But this too, 
This too is from the Lord. I don't know why. I don't even know the plan. And I don't need to know the plan. I'm just going to put a purpose on it. God can use this as well. God can use. We quote Romans 8.28 all the time. But you need to remember this verse next time a this shows up in your life. And we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose. God is going to use this. I dare somebody to let Satan know. I don't care how you've tried to oppress me. God is going to use this. I need somebody to put your hands together and declare in the face of your enemy. God will use this. Declare in the face of your struggle. God will use this. And I hear the Spirit of God saying to you today, put a purpose on it. Put a purpose on it. Three weeks ago, my sister's van, or her uh, truck was stolen. Stolen. Guess where it was parked? Right outside their church. Two dudes came in and broke in and stole her truck right outside their church. During broad daylight. Dang, thieves is getting bold out here. Right there on God's holy premises? Please tell me fire came from heaven and struck those evildoers. They found the truck a week later, broken windows. Someone was having a weed party up in there. It was crazy. Ooh. And you know what I told my sister? And I heard it come out of her mouth. God can even use this. Here's what I taught her to do. I said, don't look at it like anything was stolen from you. Look at it like you sewed it into the life of some potheads. Come on, somebody. Satan can't steal any from me if I choose to put a purpose on it. I choose to put a purpose on it. Anytime I can't find my wallet, I'm just like, Lord, I know you're going to find it somewhere because if someone else does, I put a purpose on it. I'm sowing into their life so I can reap what I've, I've sown. I choose to put a purpose on it. Oh, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that word of faith stuff. And that's why you won't get anything back. But I have chosen to put a purpose on it. Right now, those of you who are making pivotal decisions, you've got to make up your mind. I'm not going to turn to my understanding. I'm not going to turn to my own ways. I'm going to acknowledge him. I am going to pivot towards the one who works all things together for his purpose. Can you stand your feet with me today? Put a purpose on it. Tell somebody... Put a purpose on it. Put a purpose on it. Put a purpose on it. I should have stayed in bed today, but I chose to get up and put a purpose on it. Come on. We have people who are sick. We're supposed to help with the team today. And Reverend Daniel and Miss B decided, you know, we're going to help out last second. They jumped. They decided, I'm going to put a purpose on this bad boy. No, we're not, we're not going to leave Korean and Courtney up there by themselves. We're going to put a purpose on it. If they're in worship. Ooh, put a purpose on it. You can call it whatever you want to, but I choose to put a purpose on this. On this. When the most devastating thing happens in your life, 
You can cry about it and fuss about it and be suicidal over it, sure. Or you can choose to put a purpose on it and say, God is even going to use this. God is going to use this because this is bigger than me. This is bigger than what I feel. This is bigger than what my mind can fathom. This is bigger than what my heart desires. But I'm serving a big God who can use this. Come with me for just a moment. He can use even this. The Roman means of execution. He can use a cross. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. He can use this. He can use a man innocent but condemned to death, dying on a tree, buried in a sealed tomb, but ultimately God can have him come back from the dead. And he will say this in Revelations 1.18. I am the living one. I died, but look at this. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Somebody stop looking at what was or what could have been and start asking God, what do you want this to be? Come on right now. Let's make a decision. I'm going to pivot right now. God, not I wish it could have been this. No, God, what do you want this to be? I choose to pivot. I choose to turn. It's my decision. With our hands raised here today, I believe instead of trying to see with our own eyes, we're going to pivot and turn and get God's perspective. God, would you use even the dumb decisions I've made to deliver me from the hand of my enemy? God, would you use my bad decisions to still set my life on the proper course? God, would you bring freedom to the captives even through my stupidity? God, would you use even this? Would you use even this with our hands raised? I believe God sent me here to tell you today, he's not just going to use your good stuff. He's going to use your bad stuff. He's not just going to use your smart choices. He's going to use your dumb choices. I believe God wants somebody to know this today. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. Raise up your hands for this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barack, not Barack Obama, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fiery flames escape the edge of the sword whose weakness whose stupidity whose dumb decision was turned to strength pivoted to strength I'm looking for about 50 people who can throw up their hands and praise the God whose strength is made perfect in my weakness come on and praise him come on and praise him come on and praise him Come on and praise him. His strength is perfected in my weakness. Woo. With our hands raised. Come on, the weaker I look, the stronger God looks. Woo, the dumber my decision, the wiser God looks when he still uses me for his glory. Father, today we praise you. 
we move beyond our need for understanding and logic and we move into a place of worship a place of heartfelt worship 